Welcome to Esoteric America, a podcast where we tour the strange, mystical, and esoteric pathways hidden beneath the surface of America. Join Mark, Tara, Roman, Chad, and a new local researcher each episode as we dive into our country's diverse regions, states, counties, cities, towns, neighborhoods, parks, etc., leaving no stone unturned as we unravel the cult knots that tie history, culture, religion, all in with fringe elements that you may not have realized were at play in your own backyard. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Esoteric America. Here we are again, and we've got a very special guest. The gang is all here, and this person is someone who, I'll just say, frankly, inspired this show. So the Susquehanna alchemist himself has finally made his debut on Esoteric America, and we couldn't be more thrilled. Uh, Michael Wan, welcome to the show, brother. Uh, we've done tons of podcasts together, but you know this is a special one for me because you, your work, your research, it really opened my eyes and I think a lot of people's <sighs> eyes to this esoteric America that we're living in. So without further ado, let's uh, let's start the show. I'm glad to have you here. Roman, what are your thoughts before I just take it away? You got anything you want to add in the yeah. intro? Uh, Tara? Yeah, I don't I, think I, we'd I'm, be here. Sorry, so. Roman. I just wanted to it just I just wanted to say this. I don't think we'd be here if it wasn't for Mike, honestly. So I'm so grateful for you. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's a humbling, a humbling uh, way to be introduced. And um, and and Robert, we're going to get to you True. because you were you were mid sentence, and then she Tara just jumped in, and I'm jumping in. But we're going to get back to you. Uh, thank you for saying that, Mark. Let's get um, wild. I'm excited to be here because I remember when you first were telling me about this show as an idea. I was like, wow, that sounds fantastic. And I think this is this is this is going to be great. I love talking to people who um, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to add or, or tweak a word you said. You said a research, and it's not research; it's an approach to life. It's it's and we we can see it through research, but research is how we know what we're doing. So that that's kind of what I'm going to want to be talking about today. Um, great to see all three of you, and and Roman. Now on to you, my brother. I like that. Yeah. The way, uh, a way of life, like a, a way to coerce your, your vision to, to see things in a grander way or to encapsulate what you're seeing and feeling and interpreting that. And then I think that's going to be a great avenue for people to try to go down when they're looking into their towns, looking in their cities, which things that we're avidly trying to encourage uh, here on the show. I, I just wanted to say, I mean, you know, he said, is there anything I want to mention before we get going on the show? And it is that it's a pleasure to be here again with you, Mike. Uh, we chatted with you and Ross uh, on rising from the ashes. And that was like almost a four hour episode because we had chatted uh, with Ross for like, two hours and then you jumped in you're like you guys still here and i was just like yeah and we went on for like another hour and a half and it was awesome um and uh yeah it's always a pleasure we've been waiting to uh and yearning to do a show with you here 
because of your research uh, or sorry that you know you know the stuff uh it has been a huge uh foundational uh cornerstone laid to this idea of esoteric america as a show so um yeah we've been been waiting and you've been all around the map so far we didn't know if we were going to be talking about florida or whatever but uh well, we're, we're, on that we note some mysteries here yeah yes, i'm glad yes. i'm glad you said that roman because on that note we, we kind of let Mike take the, the reins here uh, as far as what we're going to be talking about. And uh, normally we, we focus on one place, but I think with a guest like Mike, we're going to sort of f- do a little freestyle episode, but eventually get to Harrisburg. Uh, or we'll start with Harrisburg and sort of give the background. It's up to you, Mike. Um, well, well, how about this? Um, Roman said something which which I want to... I wanna, um uh, expand upon and uh, you, you're talking about a way which we could see life, like describing what what the by what you're calling esoteric America is a program which is encouraging and delves into um, just human beings looking at their surroundings from maybe a new perspective and. I'm going to suggest that the perspective which we're doing is more of like the the way we would perceive reality if we did not go through the the intense indoctrination of of like that's what the the whole culture and specifically education is about. It's like literally it is to have everybody see reality from the same perspective like you know we all have the same units of measure we and and certainly i suppose you could go and say like there's a there's a benefit for everyone being on the same page yes but the flip side which is not discussed is that phenomena you know anything outside of oneself is like it kind of comes into our senses and then we're like we define it this way Mm. and the ways are are not only are they uniform across across the board but they are also um they're devoid of natural reality that's why it requires so much training um and so what we're doing and what we'll do today in the show from a couple different ways is we are we're we're learning how to see things kind of as they are and it begins by like looking at the things you've always overlooked you know, whether that's like a strange building or a strange history of, of where you've been from or a, 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 a natural feature, which has always been there. But because no one ever told you to look at it, you never look at it because there wasn't a historical marker that told you to look here. So it's <laughs> it's beginning to like kind of like free yourself or, or to look at things differently. And where I think we're going to go with the show today or where I, I hope to is that that the practice of doing the the research like so research is really like you know your gym work you know you're, you're building you're building the mental muscle so that then you can just start react or like interacting with reality and interpreting it from a completely natural way and so the last thing i want to say is they kind of describe this or or to give an example a more concrete example of what i was just describing and Mark, you and I have discussed this countless of times, uh, but there used to be a way of categorizing or understanding the natural world or the world of phenomena 
from just like a common sense perspective. Like we're going to slice and dice things and like categorizing it, but the categorizations were done in a uh, a very intuitive way. And that was this. this technique. That's like half. Right. Isn't that like half of it? Well, yeah, yes, yes, yes. But I, I'm just giving the 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 example. So what it's it was called the signature of doctrines. And so you would look around reality and you just look at things that seemingly look alike. It's just that simple. Mm. And you're like, oh, like like the the most common example nowadays with the signature Patterns. of doctrines is like when you see food that looks like a certain organ in the body, it's good yep. for that organ in the body. Like that's what I mean. Like what you see is what you get. You don't need to go to to, to any sort of specialized training to know that when you do a cross section of a carrot, you're like, Hey, that looks like an eye. Yeah. Or like, and so that was the way in which people understood reality. They would see it and you would make common sense. So we have a classification system right now, like the, the genus system where all of the animals and plant life are categorized in all of these like Latin ways. And there, there's certain rules and logic of why something is in one category and something's in another category. So that's not intuitive. That is, you got to go and get specialized training and that specialized training, it shapes consciousness, like bigger than just like learning the system. You are yeah. training your mind to see in a certain way. And that spills over to everything. So the indoctrination process of like just going through regular school by learning like the first thing they teach you, the days of the week and, and to see reality a certain way and everyone seeing reality that certain way, you're like, okay, this is all there is. But mm -hmm. when you do what we're doing here and we begin to like back into it, like other ways of seeing things, we're learning how to go and see the ways and understand the ways which people always did and that was always something that was common sense based so there's no real like 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 phd from from for some <laughs> esoteric university you don't need to go and study underneath like you know some 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 master like you just need to forget all the bullshit which they told you how to see reality right Right. And this is the, the, the great Thank opportunity you. that we have uh, with this show and all the podcasts that engage in this kind of open dialogue. So let's get going into it. I appreciate that. I was going to say uh, something. I cut yeah. off. I'm sorry, Tara. What were you going to say about half? That's half of it. Oh, because because I like what I really loved about like what I really love about the way you live is how you live um, was very similar to the way that I lived when I was traveling around, except I wasn't, I mean, I didn't get heavy into the research at that time, but anyway, um, I really like it because, and what I really love about what I think this show does is that you, people like can just like, I guess it was just a saying the same thing you were saying in a different way, but like how it just, live their lives and like life could be it could be more fluid and like going to work every day and like having different ex like or just like just walking around the neighborhood and whatever lights up your heart in that moment then you you go and do research about it and follow the threads 
find out what's teaching you. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. But, like, what we're kind of teaching here now, I guess, in a way. All right, where are we going, Mark? Well, I think we should uh, let you take the lead. Um, I think that was a great way to start. And, yeah, it's not about going and studying all these different books. Sure, books can help, but I think the intuition is the is the primary engine for this kind of discovery, this curiosity that we feel that leads us to explore and, and you know, these novel, unique, synchronous experiences that always reveal what's uh, what tends to be just waiting to be found, what's well, uh, often I, unseen. I would say it's deeper than that. It is like it's an approach to life. And what you're doing is we're always part of life. But mm -hmm. for, we've been indoctrinated and we've been encouraged to live our life with the feedback loop from culture. And so, like, you live your life, you, you understand your life based upon the rules of culture. What, and there's always going to be a feedback loop, no matter, like, how you live. What, it, it's just where, you're, where and how you're putting your attention. So we're going outside of the culture, we're even going through the culture, but we're, we're creating a feedback loop with life itself. And it is, it is mirrored by synchronicity, but it's like synchronicity is always there. It's like, you know, we're just like, we're, we're, it's, it's, we're developing that muscle. And so what I think is going to be fun, uh, Roman said to me right before we started recording, he was like, oh, I was looking into Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. That's where I'm physically at at this moment. And he like, some things caught his attention and I'm pretty familiar with Harrisburg along the line just because of the Susquehanna stuff, but by no means am I a, an expert. But I think that like the things that caught your attention, Roman, it's going to spill over into a conversation right now, which we're not prepared for, or we, we did not <laughs> like, do preparation for this. And we're going to demonstrate kind of like the feedback loops, which life is always giving us when we start paying attention into something deeper than than the cultural narrative. Oh, well, dude, <laughs> that's beautiful, deep and heavy. And, but I guess that's what it needs to be when you're ripping off the Band-Aid of indoctrination, right? It needs to be a little bit, a little bit stingy, a little bit sharp, uh, to, to expose that, that wound to the sun to let the, the, the natural band-aid come and, and, and go. One of the I things that you, fun. I've never felt a stink. <laughs> so Numb. You, you mentioned to me about a cave system and a mall yes. and, and it's perfect because we talked about culture and going deep and you could go and link that in right now because that's, that's how our conversation began off air. Okay, so he, here's what I found, and it was quite fascinating because tunnels and caves go back to all of the ancient mysteries of mythologies dating all the way back to Sumerian and, you know, heavily in Greek, right? You know, like there's this vitriol substance within the center of the earth. And so there's a lot of ancient mysteries that tie to cave systems. So anytime I see cave or tunnel, I'm like, yes, I'm going there. I'm a, I'm a dis splunkerer. Uh, wait, splunkering, displunkering. What was that called? The person goes in the caves. Yes. Spelunking. Uh, Spelunking, that's it. Our neighbor does that. Spelunking. I'm a spelunkerer. And so I uh, was cruising upon the interwebs and I saw that there was a cave, a famous cave underneath the Harrisburg Mall. So after doing further research, 
uh, I found out that this cave system stems all the way up from Canada going down into Kentucky and even further south. And what we know about Kentucky and the mammoth caves there, the huge tunnel systems, I found that to be fascinating. I'm not really surprised that there's more hidden tunnel systems that, that aren't just like normally talked about. Um, because it doesn't seem to just strike the key of fascination upon the mainstream narrative for whatever reason, even though it's fascinating to think about caves and just what's going on underneath our feet. But this cave is special because it was a limestone quarry and it was full of different types of crystals. And they even called it, um, it had the name of uh, Crystal Paradise, so it was called Crystal Cave or Crystal Paradise. And at some point in history, uh, around in the 60s, uh, they said, you know what? This is this is great. This this could be a cool tourist attraction, but what would be even better is to build a mall on top of it. So they did that. They headlined it. And better they, tourist attraction. I bet, you know, like for whatever type of societal situation they want to uh, involve themselves in to make more money, they said a mall can do it. So they... They dynamited the cave and they closed it off to fill it in and create more foundational structure for the mall to be built there. And, you know, what we know about limestone and what we know about, you know, crystals and their conductive and magnetic uh, potentiality is is huge. Right. So that means that there is something very special happening and permeating from like the uh the electromagnetic frequencies stemming from the Earth's beautiful core here in Harrisburg. Uh, well, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, before I go into that, Mark, do you have any comments? Mark or Tara? I'm just curious what sort of... Like, now I'm just curious about Harrisburg. And the feel, yeah, what does it feel like there? Does it feel, yeah, do, do like you, is there a, is there a high high energy that? there? Is it pretty chill? Um, so <laughs> what's the vibe like? I've uh, been there, <laughs> Pennsylvania and Harrisburg. In the, I'll, I'll I'm going to begin with this. So this is something which is kind of like a, um, I think it's both statistically proven, but it's also urban myth. <clears throat> which is all of these people, like, you know, maybe later in life, uh, in their 30s, older, who grew up in this area. And they're like, the first moment I had the opportunity to get the F out of Dodge, I did. And for whatever reason, it keeps pulling me back. And that's like a, like, it's almost a, tro a trope around here. Like, I don't know why I'm here. I'm not happy that I'm here, but I can't get it out. I can't get away. Um, so to me that, that is, uh, I think maybe a, a bit of the indication of what the, the energy is like here. Um, like it's, it's yeah, like it, 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 it <clears throat> so if you look at Pennsylvania from, um, and you look at the model, you look at the model of Pennsylvania, it's called the Keystone State. And so oh. all the things which are like, you know, mottos of states and, um, you know, anything like that is typically uh, traced back 
to some some sort of Masonic connection, like all of the like the official the official structures. So the very fact that Pennsylvania has as its motto Keystone State, which is such a rich Masonic word, like the mm-hmm. entire governmental system is 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 Freemasonic. And so when you look at their the the Freemasonic symbol set applied to a supposedly non-Freemasonic application, like when you see that that happens, you're like, okay, I know there's there's something going on. And the keystone in what's called operative masonry. So like actual Freemasons, like people working with 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 stone, like that's where the Freemasonry speculative secret society fraternity, um, you know, it, it gets its at least mythological roots from that. Within operative masonry, the biggest secret of the guild in the Middle Ages was the secret of the keystone. Because that's how you make an arch, and it's like the keystone holds mm-hmm. it all together. It's the stone mm-hmm. that the builder rejected because it looks different than all the other ones. And if you look at that metaphorically, because that's what everything is in Freemasonry, is it's symbolic. Like, like the keystone is what holds it all together. It's the secret which we're protecting the most. It's the one which is hiding right in front of you. The secret of all Central of Freemasonry or of, or of masonry was the keystone, which was the most obvious thing in any archway, which was supposedly their secret. It's always hiding in your face. So we ascertain, we're like, well, if you're calling this a keystone state, and this is a, a, a mas- like it's a government thing, so it's Masonic. Um, what's the mystery? Yeah. What's the what's the what's the what's the history here? And I I started thinking that way, like when I I began looking at the Susquehanna River, and so so that's always been in my mind, and I'm familiar with Harrisburg. This is the only t- the most time I've ever spent. I've been I'm in a house sitting situation i've been here for almost 10 days and so this is the longest i've ever been in harrisburg it doesn't feel well two things one it doesn't feel like anything particularly um uh uh enriching you know nurturing it definitely doesn't have (laughs) that but that's coupled with the fact that everything that was here naturally and this is true for a lot of places but um you know it's it's as you described, they blew it up with dynamite and they put a shopping mall on top of it. Yeah. You know, they did that. Uh, this is where Three Mile Island is. Three Mile Island is like a handful of miles from this Harrisburg mall. Mall. Three Mile Island being the notorious. Um, what are the cafes like? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's like. <laughs> It's it's there, there's a certain trend. Well, which, you know that tells which is all around the country it. as there's like a throwback to boutique coffee places and stuff like that. And like, yeah, this place has it. Like every like it's it has national trends, but I haven't found my favorite here. <laughs> is that what's like? The reason why I ask that is because usually where people gather, you get a good feel for what the town is like. Yes. Uh, one of the things I've, I picked up from you and Mark was having certain um, 
as I travel from town to town, there's certain things I go and look at in every town to kind of like gather, like get the pulse of what it is. And so from you guys, I got used bookstores. Um, I <laughs> yep. go to thrift shops. I go to coffee shops and and then the, like a, a local natural grocer. Yeah. And between those four, like I get a pretty good indication. <laughs> yes. There's definitely there's stops in any new town are all four of those things. A hundred percent. You find those and you're like, okay, like, like what's <laughs> you, particularly the thrift stores. You see what the people are getting rid of. You definitely get a feel um, <laughs> in. There's a very strong, like, like sure. metaphysical community in Harrisburg, like larger than what I think most people would anticipate. Um, my work is particularly well received here. Like I've had personal experiences have been nothing but like enjoyable, but as like the energy of the area, like it's, you know, other than the fact that I like the people, I, it, it doesn't necessarily, well, let me go with this. I am more confused by the highways in Harrisburg. And it's not a big town than I am in almost any other place I've been to. And so maybe that could be an indication of how I'm picking up the energy is like, I don't really have my bearings. Like I get confused on the roads. Like I've taken this like six times. It still doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> yeah. I remember driving through Harrisburg and feeling like it was, uh, you know, kind of your classic former factory kind of area where, you know, the, the, rust belt as it's called but yeah it was it was very interesting like the susquehanna river has a uh and i wonder if this is why these this metaphysical community gravitates there but i feel like the the river has like a pole there in harrisburg oh, and it, well, it and well, it bends it, there as well right isn't the river bend kind of Kind of, yeah, there there is a bend here. The the big bend I've made reference to is right on the 40th parallel. Right. <clears throat> mm, which is nice. um maybe like 20 miles downstream. But to Roman's point, like, yeah, this cave goes right through here. The river goes right through here. I didn't finish my point about the Keystone. I got off track. Harrisburg's the capital of Pennsylvania. So it's not just oh. like a rust belt town, like it's the state capital. It's like there is embedded into the 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 infrastructure of how this town works is like there's always going to be the state capital here and then mm -hmm. all of the byproducts that come from that there's a there's a big um like uh naval operational center here like i see it on the signs that has me confused because like the susquehanna river goes here through here but su the susquehanna river is famous for being non-navigable. It's only it's only nine feet deep, and it can't be dredged dredged because mm. it's got a rock solid bottom. Um, but there's a very strong military presence here. Harrisburg has an international airport, mm -hmm. which is a little bit surprising due to like it, the 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 population size but the reason it has an international airport and what what qualifies for an international airport is the length of a runway you need a really long runway to be an international and so they have that here because this was a major uh it was once like a major military uh air force um it was a base that's why it has that long that long runway on it so you can look at a lot of the 
the indications of of culture and this and the state the state house for for Pennsylvania is another one of these like really remarkable i mean they probably all are but it's a really remarkable architectural building i had a good friend maybe about 2 years ago who would just go into the the state capitol building and would start asking questions he would demand to he would demand to speak to like someone who would know and the sort of questions he would ask he's like you say that this building was built in 1847 but none of these things were available in 1847 can you prove that this was done do you have architecture you have blueprints he would ask them all of these questions and no one could ever answer any of the questions he was <laughs> it doesn't like, exist mission. so there's all these like indications of of like of a a a a, a, a a disruption or a dirtying or a polluting of the natural energies in which Roman hinted at. Like this is an example of like the research which you do. Like you're juxtaposing what's before you. If you find out like there's this big old cave that's going right through the state capitol, and then yeah. you look at some of the 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 other things that just kind of like like look out of sorts. Well, then, you know, you put one and one together and you start to be able to to ascertain what the what's going on. So you can begin to to become more clear, maybe what to look for. So let me go and tell this one last story and then I'll stop speaking for a moment. <clears throat> so me and my partner, Christy, were here for like two weeks and we had arranged to do a handful of like ceremonies and events like presentations while we're here. And we've been doing the 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 ceremony which which we do. We travel all around and we replicate this ceremony over and over again. It's called the River and Stars ceremony. So the stars element is like we build the 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 on the starboard what is in the configuration, the heavens at the moment of the ceremony. And then we bring the Susquehanna River water with us and we do like some water stuff. But these ceremonies are ultimately about like what what's symbolic of like the heavens and the underworld, you know, another one of these like cave metaphors, like what exactly is the underworld? That's rhetorical because it's too big of a question. But anyway, we've been thinking and we've been doing the Susquehanna stuff outside of the Susquehanna. So it was it was good to come back like and do something here in, in Camp Hill or in Harrisburg. And we're doing this like heavens and underworld, river and stars type of ceremony. So we come into this house and we are right on one of the larger creeks that empties into the Susquehanna River. We're probably like a mile from where this creek, which is 20 feet across, empties out. Like we're right on this 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 water system. And in preparation to for these for the ceremonies, I was just kind of like thinking in my mind, like, you know, what it means to be back uh, here and share like maybe some, you know, just share some information. And what had been new is thinking about the Susquehanna River as a symbol of the underworld, just as like, you know, the river sticks or a lot of these other metaphor uh, mythical rivers that are always tied to the underworld. I'm like, if there's an underworld it. river, it's the world's oldest river. Like that just made sense to me. So I'm like, we're at the underworld, we're at the crossing, all these sort of things. So I brought that like in my in my in my field, in my consciousness, in the way which I am communicating with the environment. We're never not communicating, but I know what I know that. 
that what at least what I'm 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 putting out there on that deeper level. So we arrive here, um, and house sitting is primarily uh, really it's a pet sitting situation. Like people want you to house it because they want you to care for their pets. Mm-hmm. And we arrive here. And I was telling you about this, Mark. There are these two Rottweilers. Maybe you would have heard Ooh. them growling in the background when we started recording. They've calmed down since then. And they're just like these, these like like aggressive big dogs. And and they're they they were they were quite aggressive to us, like the, at least the first 24 hours. They're still they can snap at any given moment. But the point and where I'm going with all this, and where I'm 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 gonna circle this back in is all of the mythologies are, uh, deal with not all of them, but 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 the Egyptian, the Greek mythologies. They talk about a multi-headed dog, aggressive dog that guards the underworld, your entrance to the underworld. And so, as I've been like kind of like preparing myself to go into the underworld here, <laughs> and we're on it, we are met literally with these dogs. And so, as so I have this in my my mind, I'm like, okay, this is really happening. Like, you know, what if this is all a dream? Like, this is giving me real feedback mechanism. And so now I know. Because I love animals and like, you know, I I think it's a real indication of the energy of a person of how the natural world, like I don't mean this in a judgmental way, but in a literal way, how's the natural world responding to your energy? I'm like, okay, I'm with these aggressive dogs. I need to be able to meet them in a way where like we find a healthy, a healthy um, uh, dynamic, a balance point. And so in my mind, like, and this goes into this like synchromistic sort of approach to to like how you are living your life. I'm like, the the better I can connect with these dogs, the more safe I can make them feel, the softer and the easier they are going to be with me. And you can't fake that. And I know that if I'm doing this with these dogs, this is me gaining entrance into the deep underworld in which the Susquehanna River is access to. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That is glorious. That, you are a, a master storyteller. I'm, honestly, it's, it's uh, quite infatuating. That's Sorry. <laughs> uh, but no, that's, that's, that is some really deep stuff because... You know, this river holds little bar to, you know, the Mississippi and uh, the Columbia River over here or over on the West Coast, you know, because of just its sheer people's history. Like the, the spirit of the people that have been along that river for a very long time. And I mean, like from, you know, ancient native times to oh, look at those boys. <laughs> you got them tamed. Oh, they, dude. They you got them tamed. At, at this moment, they are. At this moment, they are. They're going to let you through the gate. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely. They they won't. They they are very needy, and they want the constant <laughs> attention. Like it's it's been a it's been a 180 in terms of the dynamic. But anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go with your point, Ronan. Uh, yeah, no, it's just it's. I I like that that energy is just it's speaking through. Uh, through these natural landscapes and you're able to pick up on this, you know, this, this ideology of ancient river mysticism that goes, goes through, uh, you know, astrotheological traits. It goes through 
physical traits of like agriculture and like living upon. But a lot of times they were speaking, um, you know, about like this, these star stories and, um, you know, like call it, calling the duot was like the Milky Way or what have you. But I, I could imagine that the star stories associated with the this river um, and these these rivers in that area with the ancient culture had some correlation as well. Uh, astrologically lining up with the all river this, or something. All of that right? is 100% like factually true. Like this region was considered sacred area, the lower Susquehanna. It was where um, like pre-colonies, uh, it was where like five great peoples, like this is where they all touched and where the geography like changed this lower Susquehanna river. And it was treated as like, this is the sacred, this is the sacred land for all of us. Mm. And so like this, this region has very much like it has, it has that, that history, which is one of the reasons why I think that, that Harrisburg has been so like polluted, you know? Yeah. Well, what do you think of when you think of the name Harrisburg? Does any oh, all right. <laughs> so, so the Susquehanna River is, and I don't want to get too much. I don't want to go too far into the weeds in this, but the Susquehanna River is a esoteric mirroring of what's now called the Seine River, the river that goes through France and goes through Paris. Mm. That was once called Sequana, the Sequana River. Oh. And when you go and you look at the history of like how the Susquehanna got its name and stuff like that, like it be, can you hear the dogs growling? <sighs> Hopefully you'll hear them growling. Um, so as I became, as I started doing research and looking at this parallel and the parallel is primarily um, it's just in a naming. Like the reason why I know that this parallel exists is because all of these things from culture. So the question I I ask myself is like, you know, how deep does it go, or why are they going? Why is there? Why has there been a specific mirroring in in what's called mystical mystical toponymy by by choosing certain name places? along this river in this mm -hmm. very kind of like subtle way. Uh, why was this done? Like, I don't, I mean, I certainly have some ideas of what I think that answer is, but I don't, I'm more interested in just being clear and recognizing that, that the, the, the organizations that are responsible for like the namings of places and municipalities, like they made it immensely clear that the Susquehanna and the Seine river um, they have this, they have like a resonance. Mm -hmm. So to answer, so Mark asked a question about Harrisburg. So Harrisburg or probably five or six different, like very, very obvious ways, Harris and Paris um, are, are, are resonators in the same way the Seine goes through, through Paris, it goes through um, Harrisburg. And we begin to see this in so many different, uh, wow, in so many levels. Like um, the very fact of the the county which Harrisburg <laughs> is is located in is called Dauphin County. That's a French word, and it's actually it's the title of the um, of the son of Louis the Fourteenth or something. He was called the Dauphin of France, and mm -hmm. so 
the rest of Pennsylvania, or at least this part of Pennsylvania, all of the counties are English. It's York, it's Adams, it's Lancaster. And so there's no precedent to have this French connection, but we've added this in there. And the list goes on and on and on. I can like demonstrate it, but I'm just going to go and use those those two. But that's part of like the, the energy manipulation. Um, it is my opinion that 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 the Harris and Paris, uh, the Sen Sequana are um, it's it's pointing at a deeper like knowledge of of at least how ancient people used to relate to rivers and they are are linked the two have been linked mm. but because I know that the this part of the world this this like this river through the Appalachians like its history is much much older than what we see on the continent of Europe in so many different ways like i think this is a return to the home what we mm-hmm. the the points i was making about sequana during the celtic time in in europe is that was really just a mirroring of what we're now calling the susquehanna like it's a it's a wow 360 but right. that's just the way i see it no well and that me, that makes a lot me. of sense considering what I just talked to Michael LaFlem about and how Atlantis is this ancient precursor to not just European civilizations, but Native American, South Indigenous American cultures and, and beyond, even, you know, uh, even down in Polynesia, Micronesia, they have their own roots to ancient cultures. But I wanted to ask you about Harrisburg because John uh, Harris is who the town is named after officially. And John Harris was a ferryman on the Susquehanna River, which, which exactly the ferryman would take you across the river Styx to the underworld. But it's also yeah. uh, Harry. Harris is, is you know connected to the name Harry, which as benign and friendly as the name harry sounds it actually comes from a word that means to make war lay waste ravage and plunder and uh yeah all of these these words are like harry harris uh and and henry even are all kind of from the same root name and they have this connection to warlords or people who make war and you said pennsylvania uh chose harrisburg as a capital for multiple reasons, but you said, or the international airport was chosen there for m- multiple reasons. But one of those was the military presence. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting to point out, you know, the, the etymology yeah. symbolism. Like all, there. all the cave system, which Roman made reference to, um, like from, from Canada down to Kentucky, yeah, is, you know, it's massive. And, you know, we don't know what's actually down there, like me, you, and and, and Roman, but we've heard enough stories, you know. This is a pre-existing, like, really well-established substructure. And it is what's even being told publicly is the location in which, like, all of the continuation of government is. Like, you know, the Camp David for the White House, the Greenbrier in West Virginia um, for this for the the Senate and, and House of Representatives. Like, 
all of Washington, D.C.'s like continuation of government plans that they tell us about are all in these caves. Closer up to Harrisburg, but still part of that same system, is the Army War College, where like if you're a career military leader, you come here to get your like PhD in military science. Like, yes, like like this is like in the the substructure of, of the land here, of like the current the current expression. Now Roman, I, I cut you off. You had something loaded up. And you guys also mentioned before we started recording the, the megalithic park. I don't know if we've mentioned that since recording, but what were you going to say, Roman? Well, we were touching on this idea of esoteric mirroring, of, you know, these rivers and having this, you know, as above, so below, duotic type of, you know, fucking energy going on which is crazy and uh you know has been talked about the idea that you know egypt was here there's 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 so much evidence that this this land has been traversed by many other cultures before the whole story about you know (laughs) the cc's right the christopher columbus the captain cooks the yada yadas anyways the question i had uh right off the bat i was uh what do you believe in pangea or how that the, the the tectonic workings worked and that the land was maybe at one point one piece. Um well I know the maps that they show us it makes obvious that like is really supported. Uh yeah. It's seemingly like like whether or not this is all astroturfed or not, I don't know. But like <laughs> there's there's evidence for so this is the tricky thing. The tricky thing of of doing the thing which we're doing is we're trying to use the tools of the system that lies to us to see through their lies. And so there's a certain circular logic, which is like, well, I know they're a bunch of liars, but they said this and now I'm going to go. So so I take that with a really, really big grain of salt. I'm like, I don't know. Um, And generally speaking. All issues which do not impact my immediate life, I don't have an issue. I don't have an opinion on which I can't. Which like I'm like I don't know. Like the moment that that's important to me, well then I'll probably weigh in more so. Uh, but I do know, like I'm not refuting it, but I just don't know. They've lied to me about so many other things. <laughs> right. uh, I don't pay so much attention. What I do know is that they say there's certain minerals on the western coast of Africa, which match up exactly to the same minerals on um, the east coast. And that is part of like the the proof and demonstration of tectonic plate theory. Yeah. Um, I don't, I just, I, I have so many questions about like what any of this is, like this being where we're having our life experience. What is a life experience that I can't answer the most fundamental questions. I definitely don't think I can... <laughs> I have an opinion on like some of the finer points of what the makeup of this environment is. Word, word. Well, that's a fantastic answer because, you know, it's it's uh, true discernment, right? When you look at it like that. And uh, yeah, discerning the fact that <clears throat> yada yada that we've been lied to and like, because I, I don't fucking know either, but I do live on an active volcano on an island and funny, t- funny enough talking about runways, just really quick, just to sideject, uh, they closed down the Kona airport here 
that's not even that old of an airport because of the crack in the ground, just like two days ago. And they were, they said, Oh, it's permanently closed. You cannot take any flights out of here indefinitely. And then they fixed it the next night. Uh, so <laughs> that was just kind of funny. And the other synchronistic thing, uh, that we had, uh, we're just talking about is with this river symbolism is I just spoke with uh, author Anthony peak. Who's one of his first books that he wrote was called cheating oh, the ferryman. The ferryman? Cheating the ferryman. Cheating yes. The ferryman. I knew it was yeah. a CH word. Yeah. And so it's really funny that we're kind of talking about this it was yesterday morning at, uh, that we were chatting with him and, you know, <clears throat> this idea that, you know, the, the consciousness is directly connected to a grid on the map that there's an ancient map that lays over the landscape. And the reason I was asking about your idea of Pangea, that maybe if these lands were connected at one point, there is a true matching of these rivers matching up. And there is a <laughs> adverse side to the map that we're following, you know, like at the idea of Francis Bacon's new Atlantis <laughs> book that he, uh, I, he didn't get it wasn't published till after his lifetime. I'm pretty sure he published after his death. So he didn't actually you know quote unquote finish right. it. It was published after his death. Right. No, I went down a deep Francis Bacon rabbit hole for a while because, you know, all you're right, doing the right. esoteric shit and alchemy and stuff. Francis Bacon. You got you to got, you go to your good for you. But the talk about esoteric mirroring Francis Bacon and Ben Franklin kind of like everything was planned out like in France and in these areas through the Rosicrucian movement in my opinion the actual like projection and the algorithm of what america was to be the true new rose i did enlightenment. such a big video like in 2017 about ben franklin and and francis bacon is being oh like, shit you know, like completely down to like the bf and the fb oh, and the, that yeah that's um episode and episode four in mystic lancaster like that was I I, I those can't are the epic videos up. yes like we reached the same conclusion or we had the same questions and and definitely I hadn't put together what you just said Ben Franklin is so tied to France hmm. right yeah dude yeah and so that's a trip to like just straight see this French connection into Harrisburg which is because you weren't. So were we going to talk about your travels? Were we going to talk about where, where long, you were? How long do we record? How long is one of your episodes? Uh, we typically go anywhere between an hour and two hours. So as long as you'll give us, Mike, as long as you'll, you have time for because it. I, because I think I need a good oh hour for stuff I want to cover. But we're, but there might be some more things to talk, what we're talking about right now. But I can go, I can go a little bit later. Okay, cool. Tara, did you just find, we picked up this awesome new book. Tara found it. It's called America's Nation of the Goddess. And a lot of what Ooh. you guys were just talking about is in this book. It's pretty incredible. The The woman who, who wrote it, her husband. Is Scott Walter. Is Scott Walter, who oh. is a Freemason, like big time, I guess. And. So, and he wrote the forward to this book, but he helped them kind of navigate the book, I guess, when they were writing it. But um, one of the chapters is the French connection. Right. right. And so, like, and so they talk I about didn't read these it yet, but Venus families probably some... from France who came over here as farmers and kind of had a huge influence on the metaphysical landscape of america the mystical toponymy yeah and yes. you know 
Washington, D.C. and New York City are two big examples of that. In New York City, they have the obelisks that when you look at them from a uh, bird's eye view, it creates Orion's belt. Yeah, so there's literally an Orion's yeah. belt mirrored into New York City on the Hudson River there. But uh, but yeah, tons of tons of interesting stuff in that book for for us to to fold in. But uh, on the note of Harrisburg, Ooh, you know nice. we we know we have done multiple episodes for one place. So I think maybe we can uh, stop for now, and maybe we'll come back to Harrisburg at some point. But Mike, why don't why don't you tell us about uh, the rest of what you had prepared? All right, I think we can do that. Um, so what I wanted, I keep readjusting because the light on the room were down, down. Um, so let me get comfortable. Take your uh, time. So <laughs> when we started this conversation earlier, we, I, I talked about it in terms of uh, an approach to life. Like this is like a way of seeing and interpreting reality and perceiving, right? Perceiving, but then good word, how you perceive reality and then is going to move and, and eventually hold on for one moment. I got to shut this curtain. It's driving me nuts. That's how it was in my last apartment. Anytime the sunset was coming, it was like sun in my eyes, in the camera. I feel you. <laughs> All right. So, so my life has changed. How I live my life has changed. Um, uh, really, it's been on an, uh, uh, an evolution for about two years now. And this past year, I had become very nomadic. In fact, I'm nomadic right now. Like I don't have a, a permanent address. I'm moving around from a variety of different places. And, and there's a reason for that. So I don't want to get too philosophical, but I'm going to just mention this. <laughs> um, I mean, it's always changing. Like the world's always changing, but we're like the, the, the changes of our um, cultural reality are, I mean, you know, you're paying attention, you see what's happening. Like it's, it's really, really going in a, um, in a very clear direction, like the whole technocratic dictatorship, like when web 3.0 is like a regular thing, like life is going to be totally different and it's going to be normalized. So no one's going to really care about it, but we're not there yet. And we could see where it's going. So when I said philosophically, it is, I don't think we're learning to go, when I say we, I mean this community of people who are both doing open, expanding their perception abilities to like a different way of having life. It's not just for the sake of like, oh, let me do that and then continue to participate and feed into a, a system. And so it is in my opinion, like what we're doing, the community is we're learned. This is what it looks like to move off of the system, to have another way. Like, you know, where you're saying like all of these layers and like, what's the nature of reality? I don't know, but you know, the whole, almost like the, the, the <laughs> invisible ships metaphor, if you're familiar with that, do you know what I'm talking about with the invisible ships? No idea. 
It's a it's a metaphor that said that when Columbus and his flotillas first arrived in the Caribbean, that all of the um, all of the locals, they couldn't even see the ships because it was so outside of their paradigm of reality. It was invisible. Mm. Their brains were unable to take the visual stimuli and they couldn't see it. But it was through the studying of like uh, the changes of the patterns of the waves because they're so familiar with it that they began to recognize, oh, there's something different. There's something unique here. It's coming from that direction. And eventually they like backed into seeing something. And I think that's kind of what we're doing, but hopefully not in the in like the the that Oof. that narrative where of, of of what we're waking up to. And what what we're doing is we're understanding a different way of of which life can be lived and that life as we're beginning to um, see it, you know, first with the research, then paying attention to the synchronicities and then really, really becoming embodied into this way of living. Or vice versa. Right, because it's coming both ways. Like that reality will show itself. Like it finds us. Like this is part of like the mystery of whatever all of this is. So all of that being said, like when I look at how my life has changed and what I'm doing, it is with that it, as a grounding. Like that's what I'm doing. Like I'm not just like out having a good time as much as like like finding and 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 trailblazing like how the the a reality an experiential reality which is so outside of like what we've become conditioned to believe how life should work to create that 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 space for that energy to come in to find me to find other people and so forth so i'm going to go and share and that's all the synchromistic stuff and i want to go and share four stories of 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 what that looks like in reality in like, you know, not just like, you know, meta, like a philo- metaphysical philosophy, but this is how it spills through an experiential reality and how it continues to drive and support and, 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 and show itself. And I do this as a demonstration so that like, kind of like what we're saying in the beginning, like we're, we're, developing a muscle and this is what what we're moving to i'm not saying everyone has to do what to as extreme as what i do but recognizing that soon the conversation you get back from life is this clear when you're perceiving correctly for what to look at can i start yes please please. do all right brother so What 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 screen what screen do you see? Do you, you see the one that says thirty three nights on the road? Yeah, three nights on the. Is road. there a way you can uh, uh, go full screen on the the slideshow? Let's see if I can. I think if you hit view or maybe share, did that work? Yeah, perfect. All right. Unfortunately, on this way, I can't see what slides are coming up, <laughs> but I think I know what I'm going to do. Okay. So this summer, um. I did a, um, do you see my cursor? No, but uh, I think there's a way we can. I love your, your, um, your people. I think if you, you stop. Like your people? Your drawings. Yeah. They remind <laughs> me of like Kachina dolls. <laughs> yeah. Like how they those were, are drawn. What? They were figures from collage artwork I made like around 2012. I remember you showed us when we were at your house. 
back and in so the I day. I just cut out like, uh, like I took <laughs> a digital ago. photograph and then I just cropped out each of the characters and I put them in different places. I love it. If you so if you, you stop my cursor, if you stop sharing and then share again, there may be a button that will allow you to say it will say like show cursor. Um, All right, you just have to check that and then proceed with screen sharing. Uh, optimize video clip, share sound, advanced portion video content files. You don't see apps. it. Well, I'll make it work. Okay. Mm, here we go. Uh, there. Let me. S oh, now we can see your cursor. I I think maybe when you're full screen, we just. Can't it's when see it goes it. full screen. So That's don't don't problem. worry about the full screen. We can see it here. This is fine. If, give me a moment to just get this. Like I want to get as big as we can. Then. Yeah. Take your time. Uh. So, but I can. I think I can talk at the same time. Nope. That's not it. Uh. All right. We're just gonna go with this. Um. So. The this thing which I'm doing is known as arrow circulation. And hmm. it's with an arrow and you're circulating on the land and you are preparing it for a new destiny. So that's like, you know, the thought, but this is what it looks like in reality. So we did a 33-day trip across country this summer. And yes. the, the, the purpose of it was blending river waters, the Susquehanna River, into all of these other rivers to like weave them together. But we also, um, we, we framed it up as from Sequoia to Sequoia, mm. from, from the Susquehanna River. And I use the word Sequoia as the Susquehanna River's like hidden name to the oldest river to Sequoia, the... Um, the the biggest trees or oldest trees right aren't they very old as well yes they're old i don't know if they're the oldest trees but they're definitely old without a doubt but they're the biggest and so right. like a river we could think about it as primordial female and a tree is primordial male like all these different sort of things mm -hmm. the point i'm trying to make right now is like having uh like beginning the journey with a mystical expect like not even an expectation but stance like this is what we're doing i don't know what's going to happen like i don't know what any of this thing is what what's going to occur but i know that this is what i'm gonna do and here we go we could see like the place oh, we brought the starboard and these are different places along the um, trip where we we brought out the starboard and all we're doing is we're building the configuration of the heavens at the moment in which the starboard was done. We did starboards in Virginia, New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, Colorado, Missouri. New Mexico. All right. So this is the trip. And now I'm going to go and <clears throat> I did, Mark, you and I, we talk, I've done, we did shows together. Like, so, so this, you know that I have, um, uh, I have cataloged, Many, many of the strange and synchromistic events that just occurred during this trip. But I want to focus on one because it was the most meaningful to me personally. Well, I'll like say, a, I'll um, say for the audience's purpose, if they didn't catch our interview together and they want to hear about from the interval of Palm Springs to about madrid new mexico we covered mm. a lot of that in our conversation on the my family thinks i'm crazy show so all right 
And yeah, you'd hear all the details. And I was fresh. I was, I just returned back and I was still trying to like, what the hell just happened? Like I had all of these, like, if you will, uh, data points and I had all of from these experiences, but like what, what occurred? Because I knew it was deeper than just like, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, a whole bunch of synchronicities, like something was happening. So the one story which I which I, I'm going to share here about this trip, um, I called in the larger presentation Hollywood Entanglement Manufacturing Dream Reality. All right. So the trip here was always from uh, from Pennsylvania, and we were going to go to Sequoia, but before that, we arrived at um, in Los Angeles. And we arrived um, at the Santa Monica Pier. We arrived at the Santa Monica Pier on the 4th of July. And I wasn't the planner. Uh, Christy planned like the itinerary. And her daughter came with us for the first half of the trip. And her daughter really wanted to be at Santa Monica Pier. And I personally didn't, like, I was not looking forward to that. I was like, the last thing I want to do is be at <laughs> a really crowded place on the 4th of July. Like, that sounded like the 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 last thing I would personally prefer, but my personal preferences really weren't important in this situation. Like, this was about someone else. So, you know, I'm a big boy, so I can check my personal <laughs> preferences. That doesn't mean that I don't have them. It just means that I check them. So... What we see right here are Ouch. screenshots from my phone because I took three pictures. You could see this one. It's all July 4th. It's 743, 748, 749. This is me on the Santa Monica Pier. And this is a, like a picture of myself to prove what's happening. And the reason why I took these pictures, because one, we get down there and I'm like, this is friggin' awesome. Like, I'm just having so much fun with the people watching and the way the air felt on my skin. And I'm like, all of the things, like, which I wanted to avoid, like, like it wasn't as bad as I was thinking or it didn't matter because there was this <laughs> other thing which was so much more fun. And I just kind of, like, I was laughing at myself for That's just being kind of like a curmudgeon. And we walked to the end of the Santa Monica Pier, at which point I have a realization I have just like side note, I have discovered that within my life that I can use uh, Hollywood productions and they reflect back something which is immensely personal. I'm not suggesting that that it's they were movies were made for me. But what I am saying is that the magic of Hollywood is that when you're looking for something, it will give you like something very, mm -hmm. very specific mm -hmm. for you. And in one of my favorite films or a film that has stuck with me for multiple reasons over the years is this movie called Southland Tales. Yo, that movie and is fucking fantastic. Yes, it is. And loaded Southland, with symbolism. Sorry. With, yes, it is. So Southland Tales. Really I'll have to watch that. You definitely have to Southland Tales. The set and setting of the film is Santa Monica Pier over the 4th of July weekend. And so I'm like, holy shit, how did I end up at Southland Tales? Because <laughs> I am on Santa Monica Pier <laughs> yeah. on the 4th of July. 
So all of a sudden, like, I know game is on. And I'm like, this is like becoming lucid into the dream. Like, I'm like, it's happening right now. Like, I know that this wasn't planned. So here we see this is Southland Tales. Here's some pictures of it. Um, I'm going to kind of jump over that. Southland Tales is a very convoluted story. And um, uh, it's a complex, surreal science fiction film directed by Richard Kelly. So it was his follow-up after Donnie Darko. The story revolves around several interconnected characters and subplots. Understanding the main plot requires delving into the various threads that converge as the film progresses. If there's ever been a better description of like my form of storytelling, I think that would be a great way of describing it. <laughs> So we see right here, Southland Tales, it deals with quantum entanglement. Like the subtext of the film is like asking about the nature of reality. Mm -hmm. And it is talking about how like things get entangled on the quantum level and it spills over. And so in the movie, during the 4th of July event, this is the plot of the movie, a rift in the space-time continuum occurs. So that's why I mean like game time, like... I know that I am living out when the Hollywood magic has says, like, this is when the rift occurs. Expect some crazy ass quantum entanglement. Like, not really like expecting like I'm paranoid or I'm on or or any like high expectations that if I don't see a portal open up in front of me, it's a dud. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is the time and place. Just start paying attention mm -hmm. and pay attention richly and have fun with it. I mean, that's the big part of it. And so gotta be open. And, and and boundary the boundaries between reality and fiction become incre increasingly blurred. That was like a line from this this article. So okay, so so here's more talking about the article. It says like at the end of Santa Monica Pier on the rooftop of the Maria Soul building is where Private Abilene sits perched. Like that was a main part of the 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 film that the character was an ex army guy and he's sitting up here. And this is exactly, if you're familiar with the Santa Monica period, this is where this this um, is spray painted or painted on, like right here, like it's all lining up. I'm finding myself there. Like we we can see like the the it's bleeding through. So the question becomes, well, then what happened that day? What happened that day? I just had a really fun time. I had a fun time with my family, right? It was like a family time. And what we did was we like... Uh, we took the bus. It's the first time I've ever taken a city bus. I take the city bus down here. We walk the length of the Santa Monica Pier. We take that picture and we decide we're going to get something to eat. And it is 4th of July and it's probably the busiest day or the busiest night of the Santa Monica Pier all year long. And we're walking back and there's all of these like quintessential like Southern California iconic things here. Like it's the end of route 66. And they're like all of these, like, like, uh, restaurants, which are what you would expect to see in the oh, California. That's uh, interesting. Route 66. That's the, um, that's the, it, Michael Hoffman talks about it. The yes, psychic it highway. Yes, it is. Yeah. This is like, this is a real life Michael Hoffman story coming alive in front of you. Like one yeah. of the stands right here is the official completion of Route 66. So we're looking for a place to eat and every place is just filled with people. We're just walking and walking and walking and walking and we're returning back to like where we're going to um, then have to take the bus home. 
and we couldn't find like every place was filled and and we're we're really hungry and we've got like an 11 year old child who is starting to get a little bit ornery we're like we got to get some food and the only place that was open is a place i would never go to if i had my choices but part of playing this game which we're playing part of meeting life this way is you check you learn to check your preferences and you surrender to what life is giving you like that takes that takes mm-hmm. a little bit of 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 um of surrender and so what happened was we just ate at the only place we could eat which was the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company which is like <laughs> a chain restaurant based around the whole like Forrest Gump movie that's so, like that's so funny we conclude this this day we conclude this day um like nothing magical happened, no no portals happened, but I know what my quantum entanglement was, was like I got to go to the Bubba Gum Shrimp House. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the entanglement shows itself on July 15th. Tara, did you have something to say before I go into the next chapter? I just heard a bird in the background. The dogs, the dogs disappeared too. As they started telling the story, they were, they were starting. I didn't know if you heard them tussling in the background. They're like, not All the right. place. I, I just, I just love, I just, I just love how, how you can, you can surrender. I just love how, I just love how you surrender to, to the moments and you don't let, you know, anything hold you back when you're traveling and stuff, because that's so key. Like when you set out on an adventure audience, right? The the ability, if you're going to have the, the communication is subtle. And so when your will is strong, like your will is an inner will, like I'm going to go on this mission. Like that's your drive. And I'm committed to doing the mission. But then once you're in it, like now it's a dance. And if you overpower the dance, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. And so what does that mean? It's like learning to surrender, like learning, like, you know, uh, and and the easiest time to surrender, like when it's the most clear is when you have no other options. Like you're like, all right, this is what we're going to do. So that was July 4th. Uh, from there, we go on to the Sequoias, go like, you know, 11 days of adventure occurs and then July 15th, I've probably even forgotten about this. Like I knew what happened it was the back of my mind, but I'm just like caught in life at this point. So the entanglement shows itself on July 15th, but I know what I kind of know what to look for. So on July 15th, we just finished a couple days in Sedona and we were going to drive to go and we stayed with, we stayed with uh, some friendlies in Sedona and then we're going to go drive to other friendlies in Crestone, Colorado. And this is, I don't know, like probably like a, like a 15 hour trip maybe. And we decided that we were going to stay the night, like almost midway and it's in Utah and it's in Monument Valley. And so we, through Airbnb, we, we, we got this, we rented or whatever you call it an Airbnb, this teepee from Sparrowhawk teepees. And, um, this is a picture of the teepee. This is a picture from the phone. This is when it was taken July 15th. Um, and so we arrived there and we then go and continue from here along our trip. 
and just being here, like Monument Valley is like a really, really like if you haven't been there before, it's a uh, it's. It's a natural landscape, which is um, there's no expl- it's one of those natural landscapes. It's not the only one, but it's like so unique and so evident that something of of great magnitude is being expressed here from the natural world that, Mm. you know, it takes your breath away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we leave our Monument Valley Airbnb and we start driving along on our 15 hour trip. And then I see this sign. Forest scenic view area. And I, and we're in the middle of nowhere. Like Monument Valley is like in the middle of nowhere. I mean, and that's part of its beauty. And it is a mythical, mystical, spiritual nowhere. Like, like all of the all of the peoples that live there have always known that. Like it's self-evident when you see it. And now I've got Forrest Gump. Like I knew that on the on the quantum entanglement day, I ate at Forrest Gump's restaurant. That's crazy. And, and now Forrest Gump shows itself. Question. What significance, like pop culture, like Forrest Gump was a movie, right? It was never a story. It was just, it was a movie. And then these came after this one movie, correct? Or was this, is this like an ongoing story huge movie. that I'm unaware of? It was a huge of? movie. It was a yeah. movie which was geared towards um, baby boomers. It told their story. It was um, hugely successful in the Academy Awards, hugely successful in the box office. This was a film that had an immense amount of influence on the collective consciousness. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Regardless if you like it or don't like it, is irrelevant. Like we know that this is great a, movie. a big, a big, a big um, a marker. And I know but this, I, but I'm curious. Like, was it ever a story? Like, it was a book. It was just based to... upon a book. Oh, okay. There was a book. Okay, I just was curious. Okay, it was based Wonderful. upon a book. Nuts. So. So I'm we I go and I see this and I'm like and my mind starts going I'm like what, what what is this about like like the feedback loop is come and now comes like that interesting part where you're like okay well, yeah. well what do I do with this and so I'm sitting in the car and we're taking this long trip as you could see right here and then right around here in Durango I'm like you know like like I, I'm I'm asking myself like you know am I reading too much into things like I'm trying to be as scientifically meth as scientific apply as much of my own scientific method Francis Bacon to this, and so a big part of of as Mark knows of of my understanding of arrow circulation comes from this book called A Story Waiting to Pierce You, and um, that's where the arrow comes from and the meaning of the arrow. And along this car trip, as we're driving to Crestone, we pass this place. These are like 40 feet in the air, these giant arrows. And so we pull over on the side of the road. This is the place. It's right outside of this 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 um, this uh, roadside store. And I'm like, okay, that's the second sign. I know that there's something into... Um, into this uh into this Forrest Gump feedback loop because this is also in my language set. And I went and I start looking. I start looking into the uh movie. Now I've got internet at service and I can go and look at Forrest Gump and see why that was called the Forrest Gump Hill. And the reason why it was this this is called Forrest Gump Hill scenic view is because in in arguably the most iconic scene from the movie mm-hmm. Forrest Gump, like, has an epiphany. 
And that's what what the sign is for. Where in the movie that scene was shot where he had his epiphany. This is what Monument Valley looks like. And so now I'm like, okay, this is starting to become like, oh, am I supposed to have an epiphany? This is the question I ask myself because I've just quantum entangled with Forrest Gump. I did that on the quantum entanglement. It's all Hollywood magic, right? And you go and you look like the this part of the movie has to do if you're not familiar with the movie, like this character Forrest Gump finds himself running all like literally physically running across America. And he's like, Oh, one day I just started to start running and I just didn't stop. And then right here, he's like, I decided to stop and people start following him. And so this is the point in the movie when he stops running. A lot of people who have been fans of the movie have plotted out because they show in the movie all of the places which Forrest Gump went when he ran, and they <laughs> plotted it out on a map. And Forrest Gump did this arrow circulation. Very, very similar, if you remember, to this map, which we see right here. Yeah. So it's like the same sort of idea of Forrest Gump. Can I just point something out that occurred to me? Yes. He's wearing a red hat when he's running... Uh, MAGA. This, well, yeah, and that's <gasps> kind of what I thought of was the MAGA red hats. Or, and you know, there's and, tons of other. Go ahead. And the Phrygian cap. Thank you. Yes, the red Phrygian cap from, uh, you know, the, or the Liberty Freedom, cap, as it was the called. The legacy of liberty. The of the alchemist. Yeah, there's so much symbolism with the red cap, and uh, I don't think it's coincidence that MAGA no chose chose that color. Obviously, Republican is red, but still, there's uh, there's like a symbolism there with that red hat <laughs> that just occurred to me. Well, I'll tell you what occurred to me when I saw this, because... As the the Forrest Gump, as the Forrest Gump uh, symbology was starting to bleed through, and um, the day when it bled through, um, that also in that day I drove um, from Sedona to Monument Valley, and you pass through Flagstaff, which is where um, uh, Isaac Cappy. Uh, was thrown off of the bridge on Route 66, which is often thought of that that it's because of all of the things he was saying about Tom Hanks. And I'm yeah. like, what am I tapping into? <laughs> what the fuck, That's what dude? crossed my mind. <laughs> wow. But anyway, so, oh. so this goes someplace really, really oh. interesting. So uh, also right here, first comes running route. His first stop was the San Santa Monica yacht. yacht. That's the, the pier. So he began his journey on the Santa Monica Pier. So I've got a feedback loop. Like all of these things are happening. So I went and I watched that scene um, where he stops running and in the movie, how it is, how it is, um, how it is explained. He's like, you know, he says that he stopped running and he lists the exact amount of time it had been he had been running. He said, I've been running for this many years, this many, this many months, and this many days. That is the line from the film. And so, and that's a really well-known, that's a really well-known uh, part of the movie. And so it says right here, Forrest Gump's run took him three years, two months, 14 days, and 16 hours. So what's interesting about this is um, if I, I have a end date of when Forrest Gump stopped 
running, like if there is a bleed through, if there is a quantum entanglement, if Mike is experiencing a quantum entanglement with the fictional character Forrest Gump, <laughs> and I'm at the location when he stopped running and he's been running for three years, two months and 14 days. Well, then all I got to do is go back in time, three years, two months and 14 days and see what the fuck all this is about. <laughs> Shit. Right. I mean, it's right in front of me. Like it's telling me to do this. The steps are there. And I put it in the day calendar and I go back this amount of time, three years, two months, 14 days. And it brings me back to May 1st, 2020. May day. May day. So wouldn't you know it? On May 1st, 2020, I started doing a, a, a rather strange thing. I moved into a church. And for 30 days, I lived, or actually it was 60 days I lived in the church. But I I um, I cataloged it on Instagram and on YouTube. And you can see this right here. This is Man in the High Church 30-Day Update. And this Man came out on church. May 30th, 2020. So 30-Day Update is because May 1st is when I moved into it. That's when I started my running, I suppose. And somebody wow. asked you uh, if the church was a portal. <laughs> It very well could have been. And what was really interesting was I was in a relationship with a woman and I needed a break from it. And that's why I moved in the in here. And the reason why Forrest Gump started running in the movie is because he was running from Jenny. And that was kind of who I was running from. Wow. Can so, I ask you a question? Yes. Is this specifically uh, satirically named after Man of the High Castle, Phil, uh, Philip K. Dick? Of course. Oh my God. Well, talk about time split dimension, orthogonal timelines. And I'm pretty sure Philip K. Dick's name, sister's name was Jenny. Uh, I'm going to have to check on that, but that's just, I'm, a, I'm obsessed with PKD well, right well, now. I'm, well, I'm, I've done a lot of work with, with, with Man in High Castle and, <laughs> uh, and how it ties into Pennsylvania in particular. What? But we'll go, we'll cross that because we're almost at the conclusion of this. I've got four more slides on this. So, I was left, and I think when I first started doing this, this sharing this, because Mark's uh, read this story three or four times probably by now, um, I was I was really caught up in this this idea. I'm like, 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 am I running from something? Like, what am I? Like, these were the questions I was like, I was asking myself. Oh, can I just say too that the Corona Borealis is visible in the night sky. Starting in May to you, August, I think. Do you mean Aurora? Or is no, the Corona Borealis. What's that? Um, it's it the, the sun? it's the crown of stars ah. in 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 the Bear constellation. Wow. Um, and then so that's May twenty twenty two, and you're having all these revelations. Hmm running about yourself how long have you been running for you know well i was asking myself these questions like once once like i'm seeing this this quantum bleed through so there's another part of there's another part of forrest gump which is also very interesting uh and it's this theme of a feather throughout the movie um, 1994's mm-hmm. Forrest Gump has become iconic in many ways, and one of its most memorable components is the symbolic feather that shows up during the film's beginning and end, but it's actually throughout the movie. Like, it shows this feather, like, kind of, like, it was part of the plot device. Mm-hmm. So, the reason why that becomes interesting 
is because um so so Susquehanna, at least the way that one of the ways in which that name is given to us is or told to us, explained to us, is that it is a Lene Lenape word. And the Lenape, they spoke um in the Algonquin tongue. Mm-hmm. So in the Algonquin tongue, the word feather is Mike Wan. What? Yeah. Whoa. So now, so then I started, I started thinking like, well, okay, well, there are two, there are two characters kind of in this film. There's like, there's Forrest Gump, the fool. And then there's the feather. And I'm kind of like, we're talking about the quantum entanglement. We're talking about like the different, the different, like uh, the different stories, the different versions of yourself. Um, Which one am I entangling to? Am I the fool or am I the feather? Have I been the fool? Have I been the feather? They're so, always talking to each other. What I, the conclusion which I've eventually reached was was that actually, well, we we need to add this. My my Quan in the Algonquin tongue, it's actually not only does it mean feather, but it's also a title. In the same way that Talakiel is a title, we've talked about that before, Mark. Mike Juan is a title. And the reason why I say that is because there's been another Pennsylvanian who is known as Mike Juan. It was known as Mike Juan to the, um, to the Lenape. And uh, that was William Penn. And William Penn was, despite everything that happened after William Penn, he was revered by the, by all of the peoples in the new world. And it's just like the, the promises he had made had been, uh, uh, broken by by other people and not by William Penn. And Mike Juan was a title. And it was a title given to him because he also was an arrow circulator. And so what I eventually, the conclusion, which, which this synchromistic journey, like, you know, being able to take something of meaning out of this approach other than just purely looking at the signs is like looking at like real world feedback systems to yourself. And so looking at when I said, when I was telling you that this journey began, like there was a real purpose, like there was a philosophical purpose in which, in which I'm taking it as a way to embody a certain way of being at a particular time for both it being the most integrous way for me to live, but then also in means of a, a a demonstration for all of us as we're all trying to kind of go and figure out what it looks like to allow this new reality to find us. Like I've taken on the responsibility of the feather of Mike Juan. And so to be able to go and step into seeing oneself from a deeper perspective. This is the sigil I have for the Mike Wan. Like that is what, when we take these, these approaches, which begin with just like studying our environment and beginning to integrate our thought on a deeper level, the feedback becomes very, very real. And it is my opinion that all of the people's all of us, all of this community, like, like we're becoming to recognize on a very, very like tangible way, like, 
like what our role and purpose is as this reality shifts. And as the ones who are able to see or begin to see the the markings, the 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 waves in the land, well then we will begin as we become stronger and more adept at these abilities, like for each of us, the clarity of like our individual role will become as clear, I would say, as what that was for me. Wow. Very well put one could, together. One could right? hope. I love it. <laughs> well, one could hope. We could all strive. I think it's incredible. And, uh, yeah, it's a great example of what someone can achieve when they connect with this deeper awareness in their own life. And I, I really love the sigil you put together. I think it's uh, it's a very meaningful but simple kind of, uh, well, a symbol. But can you show us that again? I want to see it uh, again. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. You should right. make a chess piece or something. Yeah. All right, one, one so, thing I know about feather symbolism is that uh, <clears throat> that it's like when I was told by an indigenous person one time that when you find feathers on the ground or like you keep finding feathers or feathers show themselves to you more like that it's a direct connection between like hooking into the ethereal realm or like a sign from the heavens because birds are the ones that get to traverse those planes. Uh, readily whenever they you know like they are the communicators between the gods and us and uh, you know so there's like heavy deep spiritual connection to the birds right that fly to the heavens but then when you that's get a feather that. that's like they said that it was what you are on that right path you are on the path you need to keep finding the feathers and every like so like when you are in line with your true spirit where you're supposed to be going what you're doing feathers present themselves to you. That's what I know about feather symbolism. Seems to be lining up here with this well, beautiful that's story. Like, that's that's exactly what the title means. Like as a holder of that title, like the, uh, there's a teacher responsibility. What we're doing is we're teaching people to become aligned and integrated with the actual unfolding of life, not paradigm ways. Like to be to be able to symbolically find their feathers. Like it's yes. not a person, it's a it's a holding of a of 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 a line. This has in here, like if you look at it, here's the M, here's the W, here's the K, and here's the N. <laughs> and then because all of the and then all of the other symbols associated with with it. So it's obviously has a bird symbol, so feather. We've got an arrow. The feather is what makes an arrow work. It's what makes the arrow work. And so this has an arrow element to it right here, but it's also a compass because that's what all of this is about is finding one's way. And so, yes, yeah, so like, like that's what this, sim that's, so this is like for, uh, for me, for how I'm going forward meeting life, how I've been living life, like this is the 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 feedback mechanism. One example of like what this practice, which begins by just like paying attention to your own backyard by doing the research, like you're developing the muscle. 
And this is not, and this is for, I think, a very, very like practical, real purpose, which is the change of reality. In fact, if anything else, like, you know, as we're seeing this, this rebirth and, and, uh, on, on life, you know, what, what the arrow circulator does is it prepares it. Pre- and I'm not saying I'm the only one I'm saying all of us are, I think they're, they're like, they're anyone who kind of moves around the world and the world can be like their own County and with a consciousness of it, like we're, we're circulating and preparing the land for a coming destiny outside of the, the current paradigm. That's what an arrow circulator does. And another way in which, which this is another uh, symbol in which like these times have been talking about are like creation myths and primordial waters. We're talking about rivers. So on July 12th, just before the fort, before the whole sort of like Forrest Gump thing, I met up with Emily Moyer for the first time in person. You can see right here. This is our T te- our, 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 our texts. We and love so on Emily. Wednesday, the July 12th, I'm saying, okay, we're, we'll meet you for lunch at 11 o'clock or it's 11 here. We'll meet you at lunch at noon. And we're meeting her in Palm Springs, California. And so the reason I'm showing you this is because on August 20th, Palm Springs, the very place where me and Emily met. So two people who've known each other uh, from just a, 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 a um, online knowing of one another, never meeting face to face in time space. uh, We meet. And then on August 20th, the very place we met is met with their largest, their biggest rainstorm in its entire history. Biblical flooding, like so much rain happens there. And the reason I bring that up is because the Palm Springs flood occurred exactly 40 days after we met. We met on the 12th. Then the rain occurred on August 20th, (laughs) which is 40 days. And so on 40 days is tied in directly to the Western mythology's biblical creation myth of, of the 40 days and 40 nights of rain. And even more interesting is it is in Genesis um, chapter seven, verse 12, where it mentions the 40 days of rain and seven twelve is the day we met. Wow. <laughs> and so again, when you're paying attention you begin to see like this is the nature of of what we're doing here is we're creating the the we're embodying the energy for a rebirth this is the nature of this synchromystic walking this dream walking if you will did uh emily move from austin is she she lives in austin but you guys just happen to both be in Palm Springs at the same we time. We just happen to be in Palm <laughs> Springs at the same time. What awesome. the fuck? And didn't we, yeah. <laughs> I think we we mentioned Palm Springs briefly in one of our California Esoteric America episodes. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite ep- episodes. Right, Inland Empire? The Masonic cave. Yeah, the Inland Empire episode. Oh. It was like, he brought up all these Masonic caves right, over there. Right, right. As well as the Scientology Orange. headquarters that's, armed guards well and uh, even surrounding a platform at the base of a mountain even palm ah. springs itself is kind of like a uh, oxymoron because it the name kind of gives this idea of like a, a 
tropical o- oasis, at least in my mind, when in fact the, the Sargasso, or not the Sargasso Sea. What's the name of the body of water? The lakes, it's like late Lake something, uh, and it's pretty much dry. Um, it's a desert. Lake Mead? It's basically desert over yeah. there. I mean, I, it's right yeah. by Joshua Tree State Park. And but it, it was once uh, like a huge... Bombs. Yeah, it was once a huge artificial body of water or was a real body of water that they, they just, you know, misused through the water departments. And so Palm Springs has this kind of like uh, oxymoronical kind of underworld energy to it. And it kind of fits into the whole uh, journey of the dead, Deus, the, you know, day of the dead and the, the road of the dead even, right, which is to bring back Hoffman, bring Hoffman back into the conversation. But you have the the next slide. I don't know if we have enough time to to get into the rest of your presentation, but I did see the the next slide said Day of the Dead on it. So it's kind of funny, like Palm Springs has this uh, super military connection. It was like the vacation spot for a lot of the top military leaders. And yeah, after the 60s, uh, it basically went to shit and the the water dried up and now the place is like roman said just a desert it is uh um palm springs is undoubtedly uh and like that it's i I can't think of the the desert which it's like on the when the bottom side of of that desert is where like you have Coachella and it's mm-hmm. where it's there's so much lot of military industrial complex pop culture uh pop culture industrial complex is all tied to this land and yeah yeah very much so so I was going to go and tell the the this this crazy story in Florida but if we've run if we've if we've hit our our um no, I, our we limit, got time run it no, yeah, we want to hear we want to hear it Mike you know, if we got Bring time for you if Bring you got time Florida I've been one time I have family out in Kissimmee <laughs> and I the second I touched down off the plane I like felt spirit like I just felt vibes you know because it's underwater right like it's like below sea level and you touch it and you're just like uh, I don't know what's happening here, but I can. I liked it a lot, and uh, so I would. I would love to hear the Florida piece, please. All right. So after that thirty-three day trip, then went up to Maine. Continued like this. It's all this like this very conscious like uh, as I'm 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 calling it the like the arrow circulation. Like that's what that's what. Arrows. Here, let me, I gotta go change Arrows circulation. Oh. I'm sorry? Arrows circulation. As in E-R-O-S. Exactly. It's both. Yeah. <laughs> it is the movement of vital energy. That's what E-R-O-S is. Ah. It's vital energy. Like it's like uh, it's typically thought of in, in, uh, in the most basic level, it's vital energy. And Eros is a wordplay on rose. Like there's a, a, a big Rosicrucian connection to, to Eros as well. Interesting. What Rosicrucians are doing, but where I want to go with this is, uh, we then went down to Florida, and we were down for Florida um, for seventy-two days now, and so much like there, there I could spend ten hours just talking about the thirty-three hour, the thirty-three day trip, but now I want to go and and show how it shows up in Florida and in a different way. Um, 
So um, we began our trip uh, in St. Petersburg. There was, we, we had a house sitting gig um, for my sister and she lives in St. Petersburg. And Florida, to your point, is like, it is, it, it, it is, it is potent land. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at like the type of life and the type of energy that lives on Florida, like like from the the swamps and the the storms, like there's an energy there that really isn't found anywhere else in um in in at least the United States. And the peoples that live there, they were uh they were particularly the west coast of Florida near St. Petersburg, they were strong in the mound building tradition. St. Petersburg was known for its mounds. Uh, here you see before St. Petersburg was the sunshine state, early promoters tested a less beachy moniker, the city of mounds. You might be surprised to learn that the area was dotted with native American mounds of all shapes, shapes and sizes. And one of the and and that was that's half the fun of coming to a new place is like learning about uh learning about its history and looking at the native mm-hmm. history and particularly mound history is always one of the markers which which I begin to look at as well when I look at the deeper history and to see that St. Petersburg was was so deep with with mounds. And it makes sense. Uh well, we'll get to that in a moment. <clears throat> My sister's neighborhood, we were there during the month of October. And it's really kind of like, uh, it's called Historic Northeast. And it's a fancy neighborhood. And all of the homes were built probably in the early early 1900s, like 1920s, 1930s. And it looks very much like like Beverly Hills. If you've ever seen that part of, of California, where like the lawns are, are perfectly manicured, the architecture is a certain way, the trees look a certain way. Very, very similar. And what struck me as so unusual was how much this neighborhood embraced Halloween because we're there during the Halloween season. And because it was such a Tony, it's such a posh neighborhood that it seems strange to me that this neighborhood would also be the most over the top with their Halloween Halloween decorations. But that's what they were. And what kind of made sense to me, like thinking about it, and I was like, well, and knowing about the mounds, I'm like, well, this is probably, you know, this was this land was probably there are quite a few burial mounds that were right here. And this is somehow how that energy is bleeding through the subconscious minds mm-hmm. of the people who live there now. And they're expressing, you know, that's basically what Halloween is, is it's, it's a, a honoring of, of the dead because it falls on Samhain. It falls on the day of the dead. It falls on this, time of year which across culture has been understood to be when the veil between the living and the dead have the, been the thinnest and so I'm like okay that would probably make sense why this community would be so would be so Hollywood or um Hollywood Hollywood Halloween um focused so here just some art some like articles it's saying um But if you move to Old Northeast recently, perhaps you've heard some version of you know about Halloween, right? Like it's that big of a deal. Like they write articles about how important in this neighborhood 
Halloween is. Um, you look out and it's like a rock concert or a football game, something just wall or something, just wall to wall people. That's talking the actual day of Halloween. There, These are pictures of the past of just people flock to this neighborhood of um, where, where we were staying. And the reason I'm saying that is it became very evident to me that, you know, we're, we're delving into this land, uh, which has a strong connection with the, um, with the other side, if you will, with, with the ancestor realm. And I was there with my, uh, staying in my sister's house and so forth. And so here we could see some slides about like, you know, the day of the dead, that's November 1st and 2nd. We could see all hollow tide, all souls day. Like these are all different, different sorts of recognitions of this October 31st, 1st of November is being a time in which the, the, um, the liminal or threshold uh, the boundary between this world and the other world are blurred. Like this is Samhain, like this is all the same thing. And we find ourselves like in a very like death focused area. So pivot for a moment as uh, me as like, like just as a human being, um, as a, a child, as a young child, like I had toys like anyone else and I had this set of blocks, like big blocks, like big heavy-duty blocks, like like stuff which I played with up until probably like 10 or 11. Like I'd use them to build racetracks or something along those lines. And on those blocks, these big wooden blocks, there was like hand-drawn graffiti. Like I just remember this one in particular. It said Moose Lives. But there was it was <laughs> all of these markered, drawings all over the the blocks and they were done by the original owner of the blocks and the original owner of the blocks was mine and my sister's babysitter when uh i was like one to two years old and my sister was a couple years older than me remember i'm staying at my sister's place and the person who owned these blocks who was our babysitter he was in high school and he was like a supposedly like this outstanding young man, an Eagle Scout, like quite literally an Eagle Scout. <clears throat> and he died a premature death. No. He died when he was in high school. He died like during the time that he was our babysitter. This was like when they gave us like some of the toys. And so I grew up knowing that I had my dead babysitter's toys. And I was always curious about that. And as I got older, like every once in a while, I'd think about that. I was like, you know, who was this guy? And like, I know mm-hmm. like about the, how consciousness is built. And like, I have a curiosity about how things work. And I'm like, what does this mean to me? Like, you know, my experience and my connection with this, with this guy. And I periodically throughout my adult life, I'd ask my, my family about him. And like, you know, there, there wasn't much information. All right. Pivot back to our story. Pivot back to our story, my friends. Pivot. So when we the we were in St. Petersburg for about six weeks, and one of the best things about being in Florida, particularly on the coastal Florida, is you have access to the water, and we had access to, um, we were close to the Gulf of Mexico. 
But for the most part, most of the beaches at uh, like St. Petersburg Beach and all of those were just too commercial. They were not our flavor of beach. But we found this amazing place to go to the beach. It was called Fort DeSoto Park. And this is where it is. So so St. Petersburg is on Tampa Bay, the same bay which 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 the city of Tampa is on. This is an enormous body of water. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the distance is from here there. It's probably five, six miles at least, if not more. And as we said, this on St. Petersburg, this is a mound area. And this is where most of the beaches are for St. Pete, for people who go to the beach. But right here is where Fort DeSoto is and the Fort DeSoto beaches are. And you can maybe see with this image that it was, um, it's parkland. And this area here, this this grouping of islands at the mouth of Tampa Bay are arguably the most um, strategic and important islands. Like if you could think of, of Tampa Bay as, you know, um, when people lived, you know, previous cultures lived here, like this mouth of the bay, like knowing who's coming in and out of the bay, like it's important to have like something right here, regardless of how you see your understanding of reality. This was very, very important land. And sure enough, you know, there's a, there's a, um, here's the one lone mound historical marker. And it talks about a large Indian burial mound is found the Tierra, the Tierra, Tierra Verde mound. It was actually a mound structure and it was where um, the ceremonial and the most, the highest concentration of ceremonial and burial mounds are found in the this entire sort of St. Petersburg area. Wow. It would make sense because it's on these, you know, right in this this strategic location. This is the Tiraveda mounds. We could see this is where Tiraveda is, but it's actually talking about this whole area. And this is the, the beach which we came to. And you can see this is what it looks like. This point right here is this point right here. And it it juts out right into the bay. And this would be where we would like to go. And we would go there every time we'd go to the beach. We'd probably go to the beach like maybe three times a week at least. We would always go right here. But one day in particular, we decided to go right here. And this is where the actual fort, of course, there was a military fort there. And we decided to go there. And we went there um, the day after Halloween. So we are... Right in the middle of, we are right in the middle of of uh, that liminal space of when the veil is the thinnest in this seemingly most concentrated or most significant like O2, like ma- all of the mounds have been taken away and they put um, condominiums, condominiums on top of them. And we find ourselves in this land. And I'm staying in my sister's house and uh, I just saw my parents who also live in Florida. So this is where the story begins. I was all set up. We go here for this one day. We've been coming to this beach this whole time. The very first time we come here. And what they have there is they have a snack bar. And we go in the snack bar and we get ourselves an ice cream. And for the most part, like I, that's the, that, that's the other place I check out every place I go, Mark, is I check out every creamery. I like to go to ice cream places. I like ice cream and I, <laughs> I have a really high bar for what I think good ice cream is. So I go here and they have Hershey's ice cream 
And in my like high bar judgmental ice cream uh, world, I would say Hershey's is kind of low on the list. But Hershey's is named after Hershey, Pennsylvania, which is right where I live, right by Harrisburg. I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. So I start this conversation with the old timer who's working, like imagine the sort of person who's working in this, in this, this concession stand. He's like a retiree. He's like 70 years old. And he's filling his time working here. And I say to him just to start conversation, I'm like, you know, we're from Hershey, Pennsylvania, which wasn't exactly true. We're from outside of Hershey. But anyway, he's like, huh, well, that's interesting. He's like, I'm not from Hershey, but I grew up from, I used to live near Hershey. I lived in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm like, oh, well, actually, I'm not, I'm not from, um, I'm not from, uh, I live near Hershey, but I grew up outside of Baltimore. I grew up outside of, um, of Baltimore, a town called Columbia, Maryland. He's like, oh yeah, Columbia, Maryland. My, my aunt, she was one of the early adopters, one of the first people to move in Columbia, Maryland. And she used to live on on Farewell Road. I remember she lived on Farewell Road. Mind you, Columbia is a bit like it's a big area. Like it, in the early days, it, there were it wasn't as big as it is today, but it there was there are a lot of roads there. And so I tell the guy, I'm like, wow, that's interesting because I, I was born in Farewell Road, Farewell Road. That was the house where where I grew up or my first three years before we moved to Richmond, before we moved back to Columbia. He's like, yeah, I had a, um, an aunt. Her name was, um, was, was Betty Jones. And I'm like, huh? What? <laughs> I know Betty Jones. I don't remember living on Farewell Road, but I know my parents have mentioned Betty Jones before. And then he says to me, he's like, it was a real shame because Betty Jones, her son, who was my cousin, he died when he was in high school. I'm like, what do you mean? He died when he was, he was like, yeah, he died in a car crash. And his name was, I forget what the guy's name was. So as you can go and see, I wasn't certain at the time of the conversation, but here are the screenshots between me and my sister, which happened right afterwards. And she, my sister confirms that, that, that Betty Jones was our next door neighbor and it was her son, that man's cousin, who was the dead babysitter who I have spent so much of my adult life having curiosity about. Not only is that a, a, a spectacular synchronicity, but it happened on the day of the dead in my sister's house at the location of the burial ceremonial mounds. Wow. Wow. All right, but but I, we're almost done. That was the first half. This is where the, I, and and I I need to That's go crazy. And, and wrap this whole thing up. So that happens. Whole bunch of stuff happened throughout the entire trip to Florida. All these different uh, events. Like these are all the different places we stayed. Uh, we went here. We met up with Greg Carlwood at an event called Path to Freedom. Mike Winner from Alpha Vedic was there. Um, Alex Zek was there. All these podcasters were there. It was a great time. But the second most significant event, like I would say that was my most memorable event of what happened in Florida. The second most memorable event happened when we went from the West Coast of Florida and we were here in Palm City, 
in early December and we were there on my birthday and, and Christy, she, she surprised, like came up with a birthday plan for me, like a, a, like a, like I planned out the day for you. And what her, her surprise trip for me was, she took me to Blind Creek Beach, which is, um, one of the few clothing optional beaches in Florida. Cause I love nude beaches and I was very excited to go to it. So, so the story of the nude beach was um, like the reason why it's so memorable because this one is just funny. So we're at a nude beach. It's in Florida. It's um, I like going to nude beach for like a variety of reasons. Probably the reason why everyone likes to go to the nude beach. There's something immensely freeing about like being in public around people and having no clothes on and just like what that does psychologically to ha- to hide nothing. But then I also like to like I like to look at naked bodies. <laughs> and so this and is swimming this, naked is like just that little bit of fabric that t- that's blocking your water from you makes a huge difference. Huge difference. Being huge in the difference. ocean, just like oh, glorious, truly optimized. All the minerals you can you can uh, os- osmos- osmosologically absorb. Please continue. So we we go to the beach and. Um, and for the most part, because it's Florida, like everyone's like 70, 80 years old on the beach, which is fine. Like I, you know, like because I'm not just there to, to like look at everybody else, but like because there's like the deeper reason. That's like just to add a benefit. So um, I happen to then notice after being there for a couple of hours, like I see that this this woman probably like maybe like 40 years old, 30 years old. She's nearby. I'm like, finally, like someone who's kind of young. And it's like from behind. She was she looked like, you know, was, I I wanted I wanted to check her out. And so. Um, this is I mean, this is this is like happening in my mind is I'm having like a real experience, but I'm just aware of the of what's going on. And then finally. The woman stands up and it's like my opportunity because she was sitting down. I could only see her sitting down. I could see her shoulders and her hair and so forth or the back of her head. And she stands up and she turns around and, and we make eye contact. And then I notice that she has an enormous penis. <laughs> and it was, it was my, it was like straight out of a movie. It was like my first like nude beach tranny experience. And like, like this whole thing of like checking out this woman. And then like, it was like, it was a dude, like it was like a, uh, like a, uh, she, it was, it was, a, it was a, a, a human being born with a penis who now has breasts. Like it was a tranny and it was the funniest friggin' thing <laughs> because like, I'm like, I spent like 10 minutes checking her out and I like, I fell into this whole sort of like mythological, like cultural mythological trope of like checking out like a, like what you think is a woman. And it's like, you know, it's not exactly the type of woman you think it was. So it just became like, I'm la It became the second most like, like, uh, uh, noteworthy event of my experience. Like when I cataloged, like what happened, I'm like the thing at, at, at the beach in Fort DeSoto, that was really, really interesting for this reason. And then that nude beach thing, it was so funny. Like I was laughing at myself for the whole time <laughs> for like, for like the remainder of my trip in Florida. So this is why I'm telling you the story. All right. Uh, 
So within Mike's history, what kicked him off into like this nomadic lifestyle began with this, uh, with a, a fateful evening with a Freemasonic presentation. And then after that, everything fell apart. And shortly after my Freemasonic presentation, um, this car pulled up in front of me on the road. And the, the license plate of the car is MW57. And without getting into the details, the number 57 was immensely, immensely, immensely connected to that Freemasonic um, presentation. And so to see my initials, MW and 57, pull up in front of me with a, um, with like a Punisher sticker, an Air Force, an Air Force um, license plate, and a five-pointed star right here. Uh, as I'm like in the the real depths of of the fallout of this Freemasonic event, like this was always like something that really weighed into me for someone who pays attention to the feedback of life. And what I've always been curious about, like this made sense and all of these things made sense. And I'm like, well, if everything is meaningful on this car, then what does Sebring, the make and model of the car, what is that about? All right. So right here is a map of Florida. Right here is, this endpoint is Fort DeSoto. Like exactly Fort DeSoto. And right here is exactly where that Blind Creek Beach is. Like I put those points exactly there. You could see that right here. And if you look, it crosses over exactly in the huh. midpoint, this town called Sebring. I've been wondering for two years, what's the significance of Sebring? Like, you just a question in the back of my mind. And then I have these two events, which I knew were very meaningful. You can see this is where I put one side, Blind Creek. This is where I put the other side, Fort DeSoto. And we see that it's 153.4 miles. You divide that in half and you get 76.7 miles. And we see the midpoint is exactly 76.7. Like this is Sebring. And the Chrysler Sebring was literally named for Sebring, Florida. So when you dig a little bit deeper, you see that Sebring, Florida was actually once an Air Force base. And if you go even deeper, we've got the Air Force right here. You go even deeper, uh, there's definitely men in black Air Force connection. But the point I'm just trying to make is, is this is just one more example of, of this real feedback loop, which you get from from reality in every sense of the word, like in playful ways, in meaningful ways. Like if you're paying attention, there there's a communication. Now, I'm not quite certain what the Sebring significance is yet, but it took me a bit of time before I came to where I reached with uh, the significance with the, the Mike Juan and the Feather. One thing I'll... I'll point out is the Sebring emblem or, you know, logo, if you will, has wings. So there's some feathers right there. It's like a winged sigil. 
But wow. Yeah, and it's not going to be your last time in Florida visiting where your major family lives. Oh, so, so I'll probably spend, so I'll probably go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> and be sure to have, I mean, Florida is just like that. You know, I, I remember when I went to Florida, I've only been one time and it was just, I kept having streamlined thoughts, like streamlined thoughts. I remember, I remember making like a bunch of back-to-back videos where I just like almost couldn't stop talking. And I was just, that's when I was enthralled, like, and talk, a uh, talking about things like in a fluent Ash. manner where I was surprised. I was like, what am I, what am I saying right now? I love it. What is happening? <laughs> and it's just like something about being like underwater, like, you know, like the, the water's higher around you than it is on the land. And you're sub- completely level with the ocean and you have like just so many humans. I, I remember them saying there was a thousand people a week that moved to Orlando, you know, and they were saying that for the past decade, you know, and I'm sure they were saying it before and they're continuing to say it. A lot of conscious energy, like a lot of bodies and that body stacking up and it already like, you know, magnetically heated place. It's like you can just flow, 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 flow left and right if you're really tapping into it like that, man. And Wow. That is, that is beautiful. I love it. You are the master synchro, synchro uh, mysticist I've ever met. That's actually connected dots on the road, being able to like pull the threads like that in such a way. It's so tasty, like a nicely layered croissant fresh out of the oven, my friend. My, my, my sense is, like this, and, and this go this goes back to I, I mentioned the river and star ceremony. Like like to me, like synchro mysticism is like it's not like a it's not a parlor trick. It is like a a a very and it's not even just about meaningfulness. Like as much as it is like this is, I don't want to say the but maybe a way. And mm-hmm. what the what we're talking about is being able to move through this time. And if one, if a human being is being honest with themselves, like, like if you were born, if you were born in culture, if you went to school, like your, your, your inner world has been shaped, has been shaped by the, the system, which we're trying to be able to maybe move for, for those of us who recognize that this is a direction they don't want to go to, because a whole bunch of people want to go this direction. They, um, <clears throat> the practice of, of the river and star ceremony is literally the proper orient hating oneself in consciousness and physical body to be able to look at something like literally to understand where they are, to be able to under, to know where the heavens are, um, the ecliptic as it relates to like the horizon, know um, a little bit about your history so that then as you are moving through life, you are having your connection firmly grounded in consciousness and understanding like what's going on. And then also physically. And when that happens, like this, this sort of feedback is the natural, is the natural way. And what is that feedback? It's just like what you're saying. It's like, it, it's, as, it's as good as a, like a good croissant. Like you do feel nourished by life. You feel, you feel nourished 
So there's two ways of feeling nourished by life, I suppose. Like one is like your nourishment in the body. And then the other part is nourished on your life journey. Mm -hmm. And those are hopefully would be both would be nourished. But this is the way which you get that nourishment in like this is where like this is what life's about. Like life is a is an experience. And I am an active participant and I am participating with the outer world and I and it is not me looking at it from separate, but realizing that we are doing it together. And then that is built into how we are meant to be experiencing it, which will then move us through this time. So, yeah, I think a key part, too, is yeah, like sharing the memories that come up too, like um, Sebring was one of my favorite cars that I crashed before um, <laughs> before we common. we met and started our own synchro mystic journeys. That was a synchronicity. Interesting. To, yeah, huh. but. Cool. Yeah, I think the wings. it's well said, Mike, and I'm glad you took us on this journey. I appreciate you preparing a, a really excellent presentation. And, I mean, Florida, we're only just scratching the surface of all the amazing things going on down there. I think Roman has a That's point. what Dr. Longo's for. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, no. I mean, maybe we'll have Dr. <laughs> Longo on this show. Uh, folks, reach out to yeah. Dr. Longo. Tell him that you'd like to see him on the Esoteric America podcast. But, uh, yeah, Mike, thank you so much, man. Great, great work. Any final closing uh, thoughts from yourself or anyone? Can I ask a question? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, um. I'm like, I always wonder how do you like staying in because researching is definitely not my strong suit at all. But um, I wonder because I wonder how you stay in one place and and find the synchromistic touchstones and and then string them together. By like staying in one place, you know, because that was because you've you've been traveling all over the place, but we we just live in one town right now. So, well, I, I started doing this just living in one town, like when I did like all the Susquehanna mystery. Yeah, and I think that it's like, right. It's an approach with life. Yeah, uh, it's if anything, it's much more difficult to do it on the road. Like the, the, my the, experience the is the opposite, but I'm sorry. for me, it's been more difficult, like doing, like living that in one place, but well, I mean, the research is more difficult to do on the road. Oh, uh, but we, yeah, it's true because we just, we just moved up to new Hartford. So we live next to, a um, the Farmington River now. So that would be a good place to start too for us together doing research. But yeah. Right? Yeah. And you go and you look like you just start, start with, with Wikipedia. Easy. Wikipedia is your friend. 
Like they'll they'll have like some strange sentence, and then you just follow that sentence and like you know look at the history. Right on. Well, cool, Mike. This has been excellent. I really appreciate it. And we started in Harrisburg. We ended up in Florida. I think this is a great example of what can be achieved when exploring this esoteric America. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Uh, you asked me for final words. Uh, yes, like um, uh, I, I think that I think that this is an amazing platform. Like when you first told me about this, like what I saw in this show, which you, um, what I, I don't think I, I did not do what I think the show is meant to do. I did something else. But what occurred to me and what excited me about this show is. It's providing a, a platform for people to go and do their own research on their neighborhood, on like where they live. And that should be done for its own sake because that will begin like the, the, the process of getting linked to your hometown. But usually when you go and you do this research, like you're going to want to share it and not everyone wants to hear it. Like, you know, you, uh, so to have a place like this where people can come and and be there's there's a really really important part in this equation which is called the importance of the witness and so for people to go and demonstrate what they've learned and have a witness like uh, like feedback other eyes and and minds and consciousness which is place to put it like like th that's how the feedback loop begins and I think it's the this is an amazingly uh, important platform. And I, if anyone's watching this and they have not like one started to look into their own hometown, and then two have not reached out and said like, "Hey, Mark and Roman, let me come on and Tara, let me come on your show and let me show you what I got." Like in this real kind of like easy way like the expectation should be maybe kind of low like you know do your best work but like this is an opportunity <laughs> where all of this this thought can begin to be expressed witness and then what will come out of it i is is probably beyond than what we can see what we can imagine well said yeah that is the goal and uh folks don't be shy reach out to us the bar has been set where it's at and use this episode and the previous episodes as an example of uh at least what format to follow in your in your looking for different research uh you know whether it's wikipedia or exploring on foot by car get out there find out what's going on and report back to us because we'd love to have you here on esoteric america and uh that's about it for me. Roman, Tara, any final thoughts? Mike, I think that was really well said. Uh, any final yeah, thoughts you, for Mike, both for of you? That, because we love the show, and it's been really cool to talk to so many people who have never been on a podcast before, but they just have their eyes open. They're starting to peel back some of the layers of, uh, you know, truly identifying what place they're, you know, serving, what purpose they're serving in whatever area. It is like when they come onto the show and express these things, it's them just like, like you said, it's like, it's a great place for that. Like we love to hear any stories 
at all about what you have found, what you've experienced, anything. It's like really amazing. And it's enlightening for us to be able to be here, hold that space for you guys, and just to allow this, you know, freedom of flow of whatever it is that you found and whatever it is you find fascinating, whatever type of weird rabbit holes you go down. Like that is amazing. And so like, thank you, Mike, uh, yet again. And, and, you know, until next time, because until next time, I'm so excited yeah. to hear what other stories unravel it and, uh, follow you along the journey, brother. And, you know, Forrest Gump, I got to give that that one a watch. My my favorite takeaways from this one uh, was mystical toponymy. That is a phrase in which I I have a couple theories of my own that now I get to like add to the cake. So thank you for the mystical toponymy. That was a gosh dang golden egg. And uh, but yeah, right brother, uh, it's an honor and a pleasure. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Cool, cool. Until the next time. Thank you, Mike. You're right welcome. On. All right. And folks, thanks for tuning in. Follow up with Mike. The link tree to get in touch with him and follow up on everything he's doing is linked in the description. So go there. And until next time, happy trails exploring this esoteric America.